This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Wednesday, October 7th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Ag left in limbo as talks stop. Survey details cover crop plants. And it's not just meat. A new cell-cultured product debate. Trump puts brakes on the aid package. It looks like farm sectors that have been waiting for Congress to authorize new forms of coronavirus relief will have to wait until after the election or possibly next year. President Donald Trump yesterday said he was suspending negotiations with congressional Democrats on a new aid package until after the election. Last week, the Democratic-controlled House passed a scale-based $2.2 trillion HEROES Act that included a wide range of provisions for agriculture, including payments to livestock and poultry producers, dairy farms, ethanol plants, and textile mills. The House bill also would authorize a grant program to help small-scale meat processors become federally inspected so they can sell their products across state lines. If President Trump doesn't reconsider this ill-advised plan, he could unnecessarily doom countless businesses to permanently close, prolong the economic recovery process, cause families to lose their homes, and worsen the food insecurity crisis, said Rob LaRue, president of the National Farmers Union. The GOP take, well, House Minority Whip Steve Scalise of Louisiana said, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi could have had a deal already, but is only using the pandemic to play politics. Nearly 40% of corn soybean plan cover crops. A new survey of farmers finds that 4 out of 10 corn and soybean growers intend to plant some cover crops this fall. Two-thirds of those farmers say they've been planting cover crops for more than four years. Those findings are from the monthly Purdue University CME Group survey of U.S. farmers. Farmers who are using cover crops are often planting them only on a portion of their acreage. According to the survey, 52% of farmers using cover crops are planting them on no more than one-third of their corn-soybean acreage. Some 21% of the farmers said they would plant cover crops on as much as two-thirds of their acreage. Why it matters? Well, cover crops are considered a key way to both reduce the runoff of nutrients from cropland and cut greenhouse gas emissions. Now, take note, the survey found that producers were feeling optimistic in September, a month in which commodity prices rallied and the USDA announced the second round of coronavirus relief payments. U.S. dairy exports rising in 2020. U.S. exported roughly $4.4 billion worth of dairy products from January through August this year. That's a 14% increase over the same time frame last year, according to the latest data out of the USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service. U.S. dairy exports are posting positive gains in value and volume to markets around the world and are keeping pace with other animal product exports, according to Michael Dykes, president and CEO of the International Dairy Foods Association. U.S. dairy exports are up in eight of our top ten export markets by volume and value over the same period last year. The biggest gains in dairy exports were China, Canada, Vietnam, and Australia, according to Dykes. China imported about $344 million worth of dairy in the first eight months of 2020. That's a 38% increase over the January to August period last year, according to the Foreign Agriculture Service. Pompeo ups rhetoric on China threat. China's ag imports from the U.S. may be lagging below the pace needed for its commitments under the Phase 1 trade deal, but the Chinese are ramping up purchases at a record pace, and that's despite the growing political animosity between the two countries. 
The latest salvo comes from Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, who is conducting three days of meetings with foreign ministers representing Japan, Australia, and India, the so-called Quad Group, to counter Chinese expansion in the Indo-Pacific region. Pompeo says the soul of the world hangs in the balance. It's not about the United States versus China, Pompeo said in an interview with Japan's NHK. This is about freedom or tyranny. This is about the will of the world to be ruled by those who use coercive power. They use their military to bully. Or we will operate in a system that is rule-based and understands that there's room for democracies and freedom. That's the challenge. This is not a rivalry between the United States and China. This is for the soul of the world. FDA seeks advice on cell cultured labeling. What do you call cell cultured swordfish? That's one of the questions the Food and Drug Administration is asking in a request for information published in today's Federal Register as it charts a path for labeling foods comprised of or containing cultured seafood cells. We're asking for comments about how these products could be named to an understanding of names and labeling associated with these products, according to Susan Main. She's the director of the FDA Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition at the Food and Drug Law Institute's annual conference yesterday. FDA also wants to hear about how it should assess material differences between cell-cultured and conventionally produced seafood, according to the FDA notice. FDA presses concerns about CBD. CBD companies that have been clamoring for FDA to allow marketing of food and dietary supplements containing their product had to be disappointed by what they heard from the agency at the conference yesterday. Douglas Stern, Deputy Director for Regulatory Affairs at the Center for Food Safety and Applied Nutrition, continued to raise safety questions about CBD, which can be made from marijuana and from hemp. One of the things that we are trying to do is to encourage research to fill data gaps, Stern said. We've done some of that internally. We've also done some of that with the University of Mississippi. The hemp industry has complained about FDA's slow pace in addressing CBD regulation and suggested ways to allow foods and dietary supplements with CBD to be marketed legally while the agency continues to study its effects. USDA study. Land program can protect aquifer. Incentives to landowners to retire their water rights can have a significant impact on stressed water sources, that according to a study by the USDA's Economic Research Service. The study looked at the impact of the USDA's Conservation Reserve Enhancement Program on the upper Arkansas River Basin in Kansas, which overlies the High Plains Aquifer. According to the study, an acre of irrigated land that is retired through the CREP saves 1.28 acre-feet of water annually. Farmers who have enrolled in the upper Arkansas CREP tended to have more marginal land and higher rates of groundwater depletion than other farmers. The CREP project in Kansas, which started in 2008, as well as another in Colorado, requires that participants retire their water rights in perpetuity. By comparison, projects in Idaho and Nebraska allow farmers to continue irrigating after their CREP contracts have ended. Here's today's He Said It. In this effort, science will guide our decisions. FDA will not permit any pressure from anybody to change that. 
that FDA Commissioner Stephen Hahn saying that the FDLI conference, that the agency won't approve a COVID-19 vaccine until it has met the agency's rigorous expectations for safety and effectiveness. Well, that's Daybreak for this Wednesday, October 7th, brought to you by Watkinson Miller and Dairy Management Incorporated. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Dowling.